Welcome to episode 36 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton and Lester Mitchell joining you here tonight. Lester, it's been a while, man, but here we are back on the grind. I've had a, a bunch of people text me requesting that we that we get the podcast started back up. Hey, man, sometimes in life you just get busy. I got I got two chitlins now, two little girls running around, and and I know you just moved into a new house, and you're trying to get all your stuff out of Tuscaloosa. We were just talking about that, so you're back and forth. There's a lot going on. It's summertime. It's nice weather. You want to get outside. You get tired, and you know, you just you just you know, we just lost track of time. So it's been a while since we recorded. Lester, what you been up to, man? How you been doing? Yeah, yeah, been doing good. Uh, for the first weekend in like a month, I think I'll spend a weekend at home and unbothered. Uh, just been doing a lot of stuff, and currently closing out uh, the Tuscaloosa chapter of my life, turning in my apartment keys tomorrow. So glad to get that over with been a good decade it's been a good decade yes yes august of 2011 to june of i mean so july of 2021 a good decade yeah almost almost a decade nine years and 11 months that's crazy but uh yeah man um you know some some big news on the hardwood for alabama we'll jump right into the uh jaden shackleford news um he he decides that he's going to return to to the crimson tide after being in the transfer portal for a month or two and uh so tell me tell me what you think this means for Alabama because you know as far as Shaq goes we're kind of on the same page where is that he's a good player but I don't you know we both don't think he's a make or break for this team just with the addition of J.D. Davidson and the development of Keon Ellis um he's a good guard but uh, just tell me what this means for Alabama getting a uh a, a great knockdown shooter like Shaq back on their roster it's great. It is great. I, I mean, I'm, I'm personally, I am glad to have him back. I, I'm never a guy to want to push out, you know, leading scores from the previous year's team. Um, I'm glad he's back. You know, like I said, knockdown shooter. Um, he can go to the lane and throw it up in the slot 15 feet if he doesn't make it and try to draw foul. But I'm glad he's back. You know, got a guy with experience. Like, he's been to the tournament. He's, he's, he's an SEC championship. He's an SEC champion. He's been there. I feel like Shaq is going to provide a lot of leadership. Um, not sure what role he's going to have on the team. I'm sure he's probably going to start or, you know, he's going to get a lot of minutes. But the guy, he's experienced, and he's a scorer. He knows Oates' system. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad he's back. We need him. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I, I like that E word that you said, that experience, because you can't really, you know, you, he, that experience is so crucial in SEC basketball. And, I mean, look at Auburn last year. You know, I think there was talent there. They just weren't experienced. And, uh, you know, him coming back is, is big for the experience factor on the team. But, uh, you know, I, I don't – I don't – I've always been tough on Shaq. And, uh, and I have my reasons. And a lot of people out there that listen don't agree with them. And I've asked some questions on other podcasts or whatever – and uh, they've kind of bashed me, but, you know, if, if you take off your crimson and white glasses, you can see that, you know, whenever Shaq is on the floor, he's by far the worst defender on your team. So that, that, that hasn't changed since he stepped on campus. Um, I think also he takes a lot of bad shots. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't finish well around the bucket. Um, what he does is, and I talked about, gosh, I stressed this so much last year, is do what you do best and stop trying to be who you're not. Shaq is not a slasher. He doesn't need – he still doesn't need to to put the ball on the floor and try to go shoot it every single time. You see what I'm saying? 
if he if he just decides to be a catch and shoot guy, then that's where he's going to make his money. That's where he's most valuable to the team. Whenever he is, you know, going to the corner on the fast break, letting JD and Q work, and then you know the driving dish, catch and shoot. That's what Shaq does best. When he's doing that, I think he's the top five player in the whole SEC. Whenever he's playing, whenever he's doing what he does best and not trying to to go outside his comfort zone. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm still going to push that until he shows me different. Now, if he shows up this year and shoots 53, 54% inside the paint, sure. You know, I, I'll change my opinion. I don't have any problem with that. I'm not stubborn. Yeah, I'm just going to call it like I see it. And what I've seen from Shat the last two years is, is – He's a, he's a catch-and-shoot guy. He does that very well, probably better than anybody else in the conference. But whenever he does anything else, he's a very average player. So I, I'm, I'm glad to have him back. But I'm still on that train of he needs to do what he does and then like, let you know Ellis and JD and, and Q and all them work. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely glad to have a, a shooter like that back. Um, on the roster, but uh, Lester, moving into a little baseball talk, um, you know, you're, you're over halfway through the season. The all-star game was just played trade trade deadlines coming up. The Rays has got Nelson Cruz today from the twins. Uh, big addition for them. I don't like it because I'm a Red Sox guy, but uh, you know, Ronnie Acuna goes down for the year ACL tear. Uh, so just give me an assessment of the Braves so far through the first, like, what, like 95 games, something like that, 100 games almost. Just give me your assessment of what has happened to the Atlanta Braves. Um, they are seriously snake bit. Um, from early in the season, Travis Darnold, you know, your starting catcher, your, go- your silver slugger catcher, um, Tearing a ligament in his freaking thumb. Um, Marcelo Zuna beating his wife, getting caught by the cops doing that. And then later down the road, you know, Ronald Acuna tearing his, you know, ACL. Uh, it's just just snake bit. It seems like things have never gone right. And I'm sure that's half of the things that have gone on that has actually happened. But um, in, in, in my opinion, the team just isn't that good. I you know, people always point at, you know, three games back, four games back, they're still in the hunt. And those guys in that clubhouse believe that. That's, that's 100% sure, 100% true. But I just don't think they're good. But, you know, you still got Fred Freeman, you still got Ozzie Albies, you still got, you know, Austin Riley. Sure, if you get two guys or a guy on base in front of them and they crack a homer, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dance me too. Um, yeah, if if you get those guys on some guys in front of them on base and they hit a homer, like tonight, they're up six to one on the Phillies because you know they generated some runs. But you know you got guys like Guillermo Heredia, uh, Pablo Sandoval, um, hell, Ender and Ciarte still on the, the team, I guess. Um, they just traded for Jock Peterson, which is all great, but there's 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 just guys up and down this lineup who just aren't good, and I, I think they should sell at the deadline, um, retool, get some keys, get a guy like Joey Gallo, um, trade for some guys who are going to be here for at least into next year and maybe the year after. You know, definitely not any rental pieces, but Why does Gallo, you know, we'll just have to see. 
Where does he play? Where does he, where does he play in Atlanta? Uh, left field, right field, right now. I mean, okay. So he's wasn't he a first baseman? I don't I don't know anything about Joe Gallo. Yeah, he can he can play all over the place. I mean, okay. he can kind of do a little bit of, little bit of everything. I mean, we've seen Marcelo Zuna play left field. I mean, Joe Gallo can't be much worse than that guy. Um, so I don't know. The Braves, what they're going to eventually do, they're just going to send put. They're really not going to do anything. That's just kind of their MO. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'll tell my – huh? Let me ask you this. You know, you you and Bill, we follow a lot of people on Twitter that are very vocal about the Braves. And, you know, you and Bill know so much more about the the Braves organization, really baseball in general, uh, than everybody on Twitter. I don't care – uh what they try to say it's just you can tell by some of the stuff they tweet that they're just you know they're they're I, I don't know they're just I don't want to say idiots but they just <clears throat> they, they don't understand how baseball works and what the Braves are trying to do so let, let me ask you this with I guess I can say in your expert opinion uh is is there a manager problem in Atlanta or do you think it's solely based on you know, Soroka, Darno, Ronnie, Ozuna, and those guys, I mean, if those guys are there and healthy, that this is a completely different ball club. But do you think there's a there's a problem at the manager spot in Atlanta? Ah, uh, ooh. So I, I I do have some hot takes about that. But I will tell you this. Right church. You're in the right house, but you're on the wrong pew. Right church, but the wrong pew. Snit is a byproduct of a larger issue, which is the ownership and general manager have not added pieces to this team to make them better. They've sat on pieces in the in the minor league system. Um, what can you do? I mean. With this bullpen, hell, go get Joe Torrey or Bobby Cox or or some of the greatest managers in baseball. It don't matter if A.J. Mitchell is going to lay a fat one up. It don't matter if Shane Green just sucks, can't get the ball. It doesn't matter if Tyler Matzik can't even throw a freaking strike. It don't matter. Now, if and see, the snit stuff came up last year after they were a game away from getting to the World Series. And I get it. I, I snit is not absent of blame here. But before we get to getting rid of him, um, some moves have to be made. This team has to be made better by the ownership and general manager. Yeah, I mean, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. I mean, that's that's just how the saying goes. And I mean, no matter you correct, but Joe Joe Torrey in Kansas City managing the Royals, they're, they're still gonna suck. It, it don't matter. You know, you can. You can do all the coaching in the world. You can't go out there and make the guy not throw it down the cock. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, but so so, give me a. Uh, I you you picked the Braves to win the World Series. You know, like whenever we made our prediction, I think I picked the White Sox. White Sox have a chance. They're very good in their weak ass division, but they're not great outside of it. So, give me an updated World Series. Uh, prediction from the AL and NL is there, is there anybody you know what what is your new matchup there in the World Series all right so from the AL I will say um 
the Boston Red Sox for sure because Haim is going to – the team is damn good already, but he's going to make a move here pretty soon. And especially after Tampa just made a move, he's going to make a move here pretty soon and make that team even better. And from the National League, it's going to be one of the West Coast teams. L.A., um, I don't think San Francisco is going to do it, but L.A. or San Diego. I'm sure I'm missing somebody um, – from the National League, who's really good, but oh, that's it because I mean, the East is out, yeah. They're not gonna be East make is it. out, uh, yeah. And then you know, the Brew Crew, uh, another team that benefits from a weak division with you know, St. Louis, Chicago, who's you know, ha- having a fire sale over there, and Pittsburgh, and uh, yeah, the, the West with, with you know, San Fran, LA, and San Diego, I think it could be either one of those three. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna say. I'm, to, to put on the record, I'm going to say Red Sox Padres. Okay. Yeah, they slipped a little bit. They're five and a half back of the Giants. But, you know, Lamette's coming off the IL in the next week or so. If he, if he can just stay healthy, he's such a big piece. Because, I mean, you Darvish has been hurt. Blake Snell, nobody knows what the hell is going on with that guy. So right. they, they, have to, they have to find it. Snell has to find it. Darvish and Lamette have to stay healthy if they're going to make a run down the stretch here in the next – you know, two months. And, uh, and so if they do that, then yeah, they're my favorite too. If you, if you put all teams at a hundred percent, I think San Diego's got the best team. Um, you know, yep. LA is loaded on paper, but you know, L, you know, San Diego's hungry, San Fran's hungry, but it's just still, it's just so crazy that they have a bunch of guys who've rejuvenated their careers, you know, with Gaussman and Alex Wood and Descalfaini, however you say his freaking name. Uh, you know, those guys are just ballers. <laughs> and, I mean, Kevin Gaussman's like the best pitcher in the major leagues. I mean, it's Buddy, a career ERA over four. The – man, the Giants are such – I mean, where do they come from? I mean, I watch – They have a bunch of nobodies. I, I, that's what I was about to say. I can't yeah. name anybody in their starting lineup. I mean, it's Brendan – is Brandon Crawford still out there? Um, like, and, I mean, I watch a lot of the baseball. I mean, I, I keep literally, I have not, I ask you I have not plays, seen one Giants highlight or anything. Yeah. It's like if I was to ask you who who plays left field for the Giants, no idea, no idea, no idea. They still got Posey. Yeah, yeah, but he's been in, you know on and off the IL. Right, uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, I can probably name you. I mean, it's just yeah, and, and they're they have the best record in baseball. It's not just in the West. I mean, they have the most wins. They're the first one to 60 wins in all of baseball. So, that's, that's yeah, crazy. I, I think you're going to have – I think whoever makes it out of the NL West gets to the World Series, whether it's L.A., San Diego, or San Fran. Then out of the American League, I think the three-team race is Boston, Tampa Bay, and Houston. Uh, Tampa Bay is in another stretch right now where – they just absolutely cannot lose a baseball game, no matter what they do, uh, no matter who they run out there. They just cannot lose, and um, they've been hot and cold, uh, so they got to find some consistency. Um, Boston's the same way, you know. They'll they'll have a series like they just had against the Blue Jays, where they score about a thousand runs a game, and then uh, you know the series before that in New York just forgot how to hit. Uh, you know, tonight they're losing to New York right now because they can't hit. Um, so they've got to find some consistency. Boston's got to get healthy. Alex Verdugo's dealing with some issues. Bogey's got a sore shoulder. Um, 
they cannot figure out what to do with the first base and second base spots and trade. Humble, he's got trade. To, I hate that. I hate to say that, but he's got to do it. And you trade. know, with a big market organization, I, I just don't care. I don't give a damn about the prospects. I don't care because, like, the chances of them making it up to the show in our organization is slim. I mean, that rarely happens. And so trade them, get you a big bat at first base with control, whether it's Anthony Rizzo, Carlos Santana, whoever you want. I mean, hell, at this point, go get Yerman Mercedes for, for 500 <laughs> just yeah. give him Just give him a $20 <laughs> bill and say, hey, send Yerman over there. Because I think Tony LaRusso screwed him. I yeah, think he after, after he hit that 3-0 home run in that blowout game and LaRusso bashed him, and didn't stand up for him. I, I think it just screwed him mentally. I think, you know, a change of senior would be great for that guy. Cause I mean, dude, that's not a fluke. He did that for a whole month and a half. Dude was hitting like 370. I mean, so he's got, he's got some kind of talent. And as compact a, and yeah. as direct to the ball. Of the he's a pull, he's a pull, right. He's a pull righty. Dude. I love that dude in Fenway and uh, just playing first base. So, Whatever you got to do, you got to do it because Dahlback ain't it. He ain't ready. Uh, Chavis ain't it at second base. Kike Hernandez has got to be an everyday second baseman. You've got Duran you brought up in the outfield, you know, and so your outfield set with J.D. and Verdugo or whatever, and um, you, the, there's just a huge hole at first base, and – the Red Sox one through six hitters are dominant right now, but seven, eight, nine is just an automatic out. Vasquez isn't getting it done. Um, there's a huge hole at, at second and first base right now. So I think you got to trade for, 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 for a first base bat. Um, sales coming off the IL, that's great news for a first place team. Um, they're going to get their ace back for the last couple of months. He's going to be fresh for the playoffs, which is nice if he can stay healthy. And, uh, you know, Tanner Hawk, is throwing uh, well against the Yankees right now. Um, hopefully you can get Garrett Richards the hell off the field um, and just go ahead and pack his shit and send him to wherever he's from. I don't know where it is, but somewhere on the West Coast, I'm sure. So he can get the hell out. Um, and then Martin Perez can go to the bullpen. There's, it, you know, Sonics have a chance because, you know, what they've done up to this point, they've done it without, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball. And they've done it with, Zero production from the eight nine hole hitters. I mean, I'm not saying that your nine hole guys got to hit, you know, three thirty, but I mean, God, two two sixty five isn't asking for much, is it? Two sixty with twenty two homers on the season or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the the teams that make deep playoff runs, they hit throughout. They don't have automatic outs in the seven eight nine holes, so. I mean, Boston has a chance to make some noise if they can trade for a first baseman and everybody stays healthy in the rotation. Bullpen's been awesome. But, yeah, I think I think it would be Boston or Houston against uh, – just it's hard to go against the Dodgers. Um, depends on what the Padres do, but it's hard to go against the Dodgers right now out of the, uh, out of the West. Yeah, well, Kenley Jansen vomited down his shirt last time on the mound in front of millions of people. So, um, hey, who the hell is that guy? What's up with that, man? Uh, he sucks. I mean, I mean, he doesn't suck. I mean, he's just – I get it. Like, 
imagine watching, you know, just someone who's lights out for years. How long has Kenley been dominating, man? Yeah. And now he's just a washed up shell of himself. Like the average fan doesn't care that, oh, this isn't the Kenley Jansen of five, six years ago. They don't care. They just see the name on the back of the jersey. What have you done for me lately? Yes, what have you done for me lately? They they don't care. I mean, that's just baseball. Um, I I, I would say Oakland's kind of a sleeper team, but I don't know if their organization is going to make a move. But, uh, you know, I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I do think the Bruce are out of it. Um, I, I hope they'll sell. I don't know. I doubt they will. But, you know, these this next – Sears against the Phillies, I believe the Mets. Depending on how that goes, will determine a lot of how the organization goes with the team going forward. Moving back into the college game, let's talk about this name, image, and likeness stuff that's just taken over college athletics the last, what, three weeks, a month, whatever whatever it's been. Just, you know, you're, you know, what do you think – what is your opinion about what's going on? What's taking place? Are these kids getting this, this huge amount of money? Is this what you thought would happen? Or is it, you know, a, a little crazy to you? Um, and what would you change about it, if anything? Uh, yeah. When you see when – you, when the thing comes up that student athletes are going to start making money, this is about what I expected. What is – I sent you guys last week. Uh, I'm going to get to Bryce in a minute, but I sent you where one of the Alabama O-linemen signed a deal with the Ramajamas, a damn good restaurant, damn good restaurant right off the stadium, right near the stadium. Um, Milo Sweet Tea with Bo Nix and uh, um, Penny Sun. Yeah, Penny's, Penny, Penny son, you know Penny. Guy. You know Penny. You don't know who. You don't know <laughs> yeah. who the all American the all American star is, but you know his right. mom. <laughs> right. Um, and 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 little. I, I expected little little things like that to happen. Of course, little little companies. You know, I'm sure some people are in the country. You know, some guys got in a car dealership or some other. I think I saw where some. Uh, some big famous barbecue restaurant in Arkansas sponsored the entire Arkansas O-line. Like that's, that's the things I expected. Now getting to Bryce Young, what a recruiting pitch for Nick Saban. I mean, almost pulling in seven figs. Now, now I would love to see what companies are, what companies are collected collectively putting that money together to get that guy up to those numbers. All boosters. And, and yeah, hey, God bless him. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. And that that's what's going to happen. I, I never thought it's going to be one guy be like, all right, here, here's a million dollars. That, that was never going to happen. But collectively, it's, 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 it's the haves and the have-nots. I'm sorry. I mean – yeah, it is what it is. Some it, guy no. owns a company. Some guy runs a car dealership. Another mm-hmm. guy runs a construction company. Like you know, hey, that's all Saban's doing: advertising, recruiting. When does that guy start recruiting? Never, never. So I mean, you know, you know how those those numbers come out after the draft. You know, Alabama draft picks made this much, and and NFL signing bonus money, your contract money, whatever it is, and then every year. 
you know, the former Alabama players made this much money combined in the NFL. You're going to start seeing those for freshmen, incoming freshmen. After next year, you're going to be like, yep. hey, last year's freshman class, man, I don't know what the bottom number, $5 million uh, combined. You know, you look at Clemson, they're only making – Two million or three million. Look at Ohio State; they're making four million. So, it's literally it's it's a bidding war for recruits now. That's what it's going to turn into. And you know they're not going to um, they're not going to be allowed to pay them straight up. You know what I'm saying? But these boosters are, are going to end up telling these guys, say, "Hey, look, if you sign with us, then I promise I'll get you a commercial and give you a hundred thousand dollars right off the bat." And then, you know, basically if Clemson or Ohio State or Oklahoma or Texas, if they can't match that, that's where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? If I've got this Alabama booster promised me 100000 and then this Texas booster offering me $200,000, i am going to Texas, you know, right off the bat. That's what high school kids will do. It's just – it's going to change everything. And, uh, you know, they're going to find all kind of loopholes with this thing. I don't think the Supreme Court realized – how big college at college athletics was in the United States. And um, especially, especially college football, man, because, you know, you've got these kids that they're going to be making, you know, 10, $15 million over three years. I mean, Bryce Young's gotten a million in three weeks, man. What's his total going to be if he goes off and wins and wins a natty, you know, wins the Maxwell award, the Davey O'Brien. I mean, what, what are his earnings after that? And then, you know, do these kids have incentives in their contracts that they're signing with these places? Hey, you know, I'm paying you this, but if you win the Heisman, you get so much more. You see what I'm saying? That there's just all kinds of stuff that's going to be happening. We, we haven't even scratched the surface of this thing yet. No, we have not. Um, I, 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 think since, I think the Supreme Court knew what they were doing. But I also think that they they didn't punt on the issue, but once they allowed it, they were like, all right, it's out of our hands. Somebody else do with it. This yeah, is yeah. You all for this. You wanted it. Yeah, you, you, it. you wanted it. Take care of it. Y'all figure it out. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, and I, and I get that. But, you know, I think there's they're, they're going to have to swallow their pride at some point. I, I don't I don't think that, you know, I, I don't let me let me say this. I like the idea of them making money. I think that's tremendous. And we've talked about this for years that we agree with that part, but I, I think they have to put some kind of limitations and restrictions on this. Whether it, and I got I got one proposal for you. Yeah, whether it's a monetary amount or maybe a a number of sponsorships you can have. You know what I'm saying? Maybe like 10, 15. That way you have to weigh your options and you have to you know price match and price compare and you know basically get bidded on, so to speak. But what's your uh-huh. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. free market. I mean, like you know, but, if, I got, if I if I can only have ten, and I'm down to, you know, I've got two, one slot remaining, and, and Milo's is offering me this much, and then Arby's is offering me this much. You know, I'm get, I get to pick the higher one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but and just stuff I, like I, that. That way, that I, way, because like I don't believe it. Every single thing that every single person that comes to these kids are not going to say no. You know what I'm saying? If all I got to do is post on social media with a with a gallon of Milo sweet tea, sign me up. You know what I'm saying? True. I just I, I mean I don't I don't agree with limiting anybody on their earning potential, but one a couple things. Um no contacting recruits 
as far as sponsorships go. That's Once they sign, they're fair happen. game. That's going to happen. I, oh, yeah, I, 100%. It's going to happen. But I would like no contacting recruits, you know, pre-signing. Mm-hmm. After they sign, that's fair game. That's number one. But I know that's not going to happen. Um, number two, something's got to be in place to prevent these kids from being exploited. So, okay, say this guy gets those 10 sponsorships or whatever. Surely they're going to make this guy sign the contract, right? I mean, you don't want a yeah. guy, I got to film a commercial at, you know, six commercials this week. Well, buddy, football is your job. Yeah. School and football or football and school. That's why you're when are you going to have time? When are you going to have time to do that? So you're going to avoid that contract? So you're going to have to give that money back or not get paid? Like, you see how there's so many more more problems that, can compound an already busy yeah. schedule. And I think the I think the first rule they need to make is that you cannot do any non-social media advertising in your season. Like from from the time you start camp to, you know, mid-January when college football is over, if if, if you have a have a deal where hey, we want you to shout us out on social media every month, then that's different. You know, that's one thing. Is you can go to a gas station and buy a thing of Milo sweet tea and, you know, that's very doable, but, you know, you can't have these kids choosing between practice and money, you know what I'm saying? Because right, uh, right. they're going to choose the money. I mean, hey, if I'm getting uh, five grand to do this commercial, it's at 3.30, practice starts at 2, I ain't going to practice. I'm getting this money. They can kiss my ass, you know what I'm saying? And then you're in a whole world of trouble, and coaches can't, they can't control that. And so I think the first rule they need to make is you can't do any non-social media advertising within your season, within your, your, yeah, within your legit season, you know, basketball, I guess it'd be from what mid early October to whatever, March in the March, April, you know, that, that kind of thing. That that's, that's what I think should be rule number one. Right. This, and this, this is where, Thinking forward and being prepared and being at Alabama is so important. It's so valuable. You know, when he, when you're a recruit and or when you're Nick Saban and you know you're recruiting this guy and you know mom and daddy's asking you know how are you going to take care of my baby on the field? How are you going to prepare him for the next level? You know, yada yada yada. Now. The question is, how are you, how are you going to help prepare him to handle all these solicitors, all these you know, potential endorsements, all this this potential money coming in? And what has Alabama done? Well, what have they been done? Agents don't they have don't they have an entire wing mm-hmm. dedicated to NIL stuff now? You yeah. know what I mean? Fine. Don't they have this yeah. stuff already yeah. laid out? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's. There, there's, there's your answer. It's already taken care of. Uh, ma'am, sir, mom, dad, just five-star. Here is A, B, C, D. This is how we're going to handle this. There's no doubt in my mind that Alabama is more prepared than any other college in the country to handle this. And by that, I, I'm not as, as worried about the fallout or all this extra stuff in these scenarios that we've been talking about because – I, I'm fully confident that it's already been taken care of. 
It's already been thought about, talked about, even things that we haven't even thought about. We haven't even discussed. Somebody else has, and they're prepared for it. And that's what pissed a lot of people off over on the planes is that, uh, you know, the day that they passed all this, the NCAA came out and said, hey, look, you know, they're going to make money or whatever. That day, Alabama released a a whole document of stuff, a whole, you know, manila folder full of crap about how they're going to that they had been working on this for months and months because they knew it was going to happen. And so Greg Byrne and company already had this in place. And then like two, three, or, you know, two, three weeks later or whatever at a golf tournament, they asked Alan green about it. And he's like, ah, well, you know, we're, we're working on some stuff. And they're like, dude, seriously, like Alabama's, they already had this stuff ready to go. And you don't even know. I mean, it's just, it's, you're, you're getting caught on your heels. You're getting caught with your pants down. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Alabama is so far ahead of the game, and that's why, you know, I believe Greg Burns best athletic director in the country. Uh, you know, he's been working with Nick Saban or whoever, but they're definitely on top of the stuff. Absolutely. So, once again, on top of the game, um, and all these things, all these rule changes and yada, 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 and anticipating to slow Alabama down is not going to happen when Alabama has the resources, the wherewithal, the forethought to go ahead and think ahead and get in front of these issues. It's already done. The early signing period, NIL stuff, like <laughs> there's no other rules or changes you can do to slow this thing down. Yeah, and just, you know, all the things that have been thrown in Nick Saban over the last decade – I think, you know, even before he surpassed Bear in number of national championships, I think he was already the best coach in college football history just because of all the crap he had to overcome. Uh, you know, the the spread, you know, it, his whole life he had coached this certain defensive philosophy, and then all of a sudden they're changing rules to benefit the offense. You're a defensive-minded coach. You don't know anything about it. He goes out and hires Lane Kiffin. Nobody liked the hire. And he turns out to be one of Alabama's best offensive coordinators. Um, you know, he's going out and getting Steve Sarkeesian's drunk ass, you know, rejuvenating his – reviving his career, um, getting him a job at Texas. I mean, Steve, Steve Sarkeesian owes Saban his life. Because without Saban, where, where is he at? I mean, he get, you know, he, he gets fired from Atlanta and then – you know, it, it just got, you know, it got pulled out of a gutter, you know, and, and then with the NIL stuff and there's just so much going on with so much changing. It seems like on an annual basis now and the way Nick Saban has adapted and changed his whole entire philosophy, uh, the transfer portal is another one. You know, we want to make a one time transfer rule. Well, I'm just going to go get Ohio State's number three receiver he's going to immediately become my number two receiver. And I'm going to go out and get the best damn linebacker in the SEC who happens to play for a rival school that we beat like 14 years in a row. And then you're going to come start for me. And now we have the top two inside linebackers in the country, not just the SEC. So kiss my ass, you know, I told you, whatever. So the way he's adapted, the way he's been able to change everything, no doubt makes him the best coach in college football history. And he's not showing any signs of slowing down. But uh, you know, we just we just had media days, Lester. So give me some of the uh, 
the media day takeaways. It could be Alabama, Auburn, you know, maybe some other quotes that you heard. Whatever you want, you know, media days is is kind of the first taste that you're getting back into the swing of college football. The college football is right around the corner. And uh, so give me some takeaways of media day. What, what, what are some stuff that you, that you heard? I know you mentioned Bo Nix earlier. Is that your biggest thing? Uh, yeah. Um, Why does everything have to be about Alabama? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Why don't are you going to sit up you? there and say that we're not scared to play Alabama? And they're like, then he's like, yeah, they beat us last year. And they're like, well, yeah, they beat us pretty bad. And I, I just sent you the, the, the video before we started this podcast. And then he's like, you know, but at the beginning of that game, it was very close. Like, no shit, dumbass. It was 0-0. <laughs> yeah, they keep the ball off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, this guy's just a freaking idiot. Like, what, what's wrong with him? And he's sitting up it's there crazy. talking about, you know, we're ready to, to cut the head off the elephant. Well, where did that saying come from? Like, Dude, I don't know. I don't, the, cra- the funniest thing about that is they, there's this – just just known thing in the college football world of you know Alabama locker room material like you know somebody will say something it, it can be just the slightest slight you know somebody's gonna oh that's gonna build that's gonna be in the locker room that's gonna be plastered all over the place Bo Nix just gave Alabama a paragraph to poster to plaster all over the athletic complex like you're not scared of Alabama Okay, I hope not. They're just another football team. I get it. But, bro, you guys should set your sights a little lower and try to be, you know, competitive in the in the way. You know, maybe Texas A&M or – Let's try to not be Arkansas about, about – LSU or Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's beat Arkansas by a touchdown or two. You know? Like, geez, man. It, I, don't, I don't know how the fans, how the Auburn fans feel about it. I, haven't really been on online enough to check the reaction, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure, sure it's divided. They, I'm sure they're like half love and average. half are pissed off. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, we don't respect them. Blah blah blah. It's like okay, I mean, it's, it's just you got your ass beat forty-two to thirteen last year, and the you you scored late, you know, against our second string. You know, little Bubba ran it in. And, you know, should have been 42 to six, should have been 49 to six because Brian Robinson fumbled going in to give Auburn the ball back. And then they went down and scored on our second team, made it 42 to 13. So, game could have easily been 49 to six. And just what, I mean, what gives you the right? What, what, are, you, what are you trying to prove here? Like, I mean, you beat Alabama your freshman year, you threw for 150 yards. Matt Jones, those two pick sixes, one of those crazy games in Jordan Hare. You know, you're under – I just I, – I don't, I don't understand. Like, the, the best thing you can hope for with Alabama, with it, or as a non-Alabama fan, is complacency with Alabama. That's why they haven't won the national championship every single year. It's complacency. You know, then Alabama doesn't win one for a couple of years. Then they get that team that's just hungry as hell like last year. There was just no denying that team last year. And – you know, the, the one thing you can root for as a non-Bama fan is, you know, let's hope they're complacent and they're fat and happy, and then we can sneak up on them. You see what I'm saying? Don't go out here and saying we're about to cut the head or we, we're, we're going to cut the head off the elephant. Because, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. That's just violent. That's just mean. It's lame. 
Dude, it's lame. Golly, I'm gonna cut the head off the elephant. Okay. Cut off the elephant. I mean, nobody ever awesome. said nobody ever said that you're scared to play Alabama. Like, nobody ever said that. That's just you saying that crap on your own. Uh, but yeah, Bo Nix, he's I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from him. I know he's gonna be throwing the trash cans. Um you know, we'll get into our preseason breakdowns here in the next couple of weeks because fall camp's about to start in, I guess, about two weeks. Uh, but, you know, Brian Harson's the quarterback whisperer. That's what they say. And uh, Bo Nix, he's loving it. He's having fun. Dark Cross Heisman candidate. Yeah. Yeah. I say, you know, but he's, he's developed quarterbacks at Boise State who everybody they play, they have better athletes than. So. We'll see how he does throwing the trash cans, and he's got dumpsters blocking for him. Um, got a really good running back. That's positive. But, best uh, running back in the SEC, Tank Bigsby, baby. Best running back in the history of the world. You think Herschel Walker was good? You ain't seen Tank no. Bigsby. You don't even Bo know. Nicks. Yeah, that – that yeah. Derrick Henry was nothing compared to this guy. I don't know how he didn't win the Heisman last year. God must hate Auburn. I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, all right. Any other, any other media day takeaways? I mean, Nick Saban's always very bland. He doesn't give a lot of information. Really, all the coaches are bland. I think Eli Drinkwitz was pretty good from Missouri. Sam Pittman's the, always a character. Mike Leach. The, va- the Vandy guy. The what? Didn't the, didn't the Vandy guy see. say they have the best program in the SEC or some I dumb? I didn't even see that. I'm going to have to look that up. But, uh, yeah, some something that's a lie. Yeah, media days is pretty, it's pretty boring all the way around. But uh, unless you get bulletin board material like Bo Nix just gave everybody, so all right. I guess we'll talk about Texas Whatever. Oklahoma next time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because you know we really don't know. What do you, we'll just give our opinions. Do you think that's going to happen or not? Let's just keep it simple. Do you think it happens or no? Uh, eventually, yep. Because I think with the NIL stuff, the NCAA is going to go down. And this is going to be the beginning of the super conferences. Yeah, so, I, I definitely said that. What ten years? You think, or sooner than that? Man, it's too much money for them to drag it out for ten years. If, if it's going to happen, it'll be within uh, five or six. They'll, uh, probably you know. just, they'll probably do it at the same time they redo the playoff. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Yep. Yep. That, that contract yeah. ends in 2025, right? I mean, it'd be a good time to do it. And that's the only reason I'd be okay with it because you, you stay with that 14 playoff and you got to go through Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, Florida. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be tough. You're looking at everybody in the SEC, the best team's going to have at least two losses and not three. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And oh, so, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, if they do the 12, 16 team playoff, whatever, I'm okay with it. But, uh, um, yeah. So, I, I, I'm going to – just to be different, I guess I'll say it doesn't happen because they got to have 11 yes votes out of 14 from everybody in the conference. I don't know Texas A&M damn sure doesn't want them in there. They want to be the only state from Texas to uh, to play in the SEC because that helps their recruiting in that state. Uh, that Louisiana, Florida, and California are the most loaded state, and Georgia is the most loaded state in recruiting every single year. So um, they're in a hotbed, and it really helps their recruiting uh, to to have that SEC logo on their stadium. So, they, that's a definite no. I don't see why Missouri would want to man. I mean, they left that conference 
they don't want anything to do with anybody in there, obviously. That's why they left. So I don't understand why Missouri would vote yes. Alabama's always beef with Texas, whether it's program wins or, you know, they, they, Texas claimed that Saban was coming there like every year in the 2010s. And, uh, and so Alabama and Texas really don't get along. They just took uh, probably the best offense coordinator Nick Saban's had and Steve Sarkeesian. So, and he took half the damn coaching staff with him. I'm sure that pissed Nick Saban off a little bit. So I don't see Alabama voting yes to get him in. And then if they do get in, you're, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's three out of 14 right there. All they need is four no's. And if they do get in, then you're looking at Alabama probably has to go to the East. Um, and if you look at a map, you know, Alabama and Auburn would both go to the East Auburn wants to go to the East by themselves. They've been wanting to do that for years. And so they don't want Alabama to follow them over there. So I don't see why they would say yes. You see what I'm saying? There's just, there's just too many. And, and I get the money. I understand that. I mean, I, I oh, understand yeah. that situation. And I think if they get in, that'll be the main reason. And I'll understand that completely. But, you know, just looking, looking at this thing on the surface and just, you know, kind of breaking it down team by team, I don't understand why anybody would want Texas or Oklahoma in there, especially if you're like, you know, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, because, you know, I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to win the SEC, but they can upset somebody right now. Right. They can easily beat Alabama this year. They can beat LSU, Texas A&M. I think they beat Auburn anyway. They got some they got some dudes over there and they got an offensive mastermind. And you, you if you put up 40 40 points on somebody. I know their defense still sucks, but I mean, they gave Alabama fits last year and Alabama ended up scoring late and winning the game by 15, but that game was tight, man. And uh, you got an offensive wizard like that with uh, an experienced quarterback, you know, you can, you can do a lot of damage, but you bring Oklahoma and uh, Texas into the mix. And then that's, you know, just two more teams that you got to try to upset, you know, getting three-star with three stars every year. So, I don't know. It just seems like whenever you break it down team by team, outside of the money situation, there seems like a lot more people that would vote no. That's just me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, you know, you got to think about it. Alabama's athletic department prints money. And then you got to think about Vanderbilt. Their athletic department's in the red yearly. I mean, don't every doesn't every SEC team get like a forty million dollar check every year from this? Could not SEC? tell you. Uh, J Law would know all that information. He's very knowledgeable yeah. about all that. But yeah, they. I mean, every SEC team gets a blank check every free not a blank check, but a share of the rep or, or whatever. I mean, if you add Oklahoma and especially Texas in there, I mean, that's probably extra. You know. 10, 15 million dollars, 20 a year, you know. So I get it for the lesser teams. I personally, I wouldn't want to see it happen, but I think it's inevitable with the whole super conference thing or whatever. So, you know, that's, uh, I don't know. That's just kind of my take on it. All right, big dog. Anything else you want to add before uh, before we hop off here? I believe that'll be all, my guy. All right, big man. Uh, Episode 36, Gun Printers Podcast, Chase Thornton. Lester Mitchell. Well, you know, hopefully we'll see y'all next week. Can't make any promises, but uh, definitely going to get one more in before fall camp starts. We'll get some 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 fall practice breakdowns, maybe some surprise players, stuff like that. So episode 36, Gump Runners Podcast, we're out.